Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. Support for this episode comes from Missouri-based Kuat Racks. For trailblazing rides or Class 4 river drops, Kuat makes racks that help get your gear where you want to be. Their new Class 4 kayak rack locks, folds, and stacks up easily for hauling and stowing your gear. Not to mention, you'll want to keep a Class 4 on the roof at all times because it actually looks good up there. Kuat, because you love your bike and your kayak. Get your next adventure on your vehicle at Kuat, that's K-U-A-T dot com. I had a lady that sent me an email the morning of the squirrel cook-off. This is <laughs> six, seven years ago. She said, how many squirrels must die in order for you to have this event? And I replied, all the squirrels. <laughs> must die <laughs> in order for us to throw this event. Technically, if we're doing it, they're all dead. <laughs> Even better. We have never used live squirrels. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Veet, and I am joined by co-host of the show, Kyle Plunkett. Yes, sir. Happy to be back. And uh, I missed we, a couple. Yeah, you did miss a couple. We're glad to have you back. Appreciate it. Uh, we are joined by our special guest of this episode, and that is none other than the ingenious creative mastermind of the world champion squirrel cook-off here in Northwest Arkansas, and that is Joe Wilson. Joe, welcome to the show. Man, glad to have you guys. Great opportunity. The reason why it's a great opportunity is I also am part of a podcast. That's right. Called Cooking Up a Story. That's right. You guys are a guest on that show. Yeah, we just we just came for our listeners. We just spent a how long did we go for? Two two and a half hours? Dang near three hours. Dang brother. near three hours <laughs> recording a podcast on Joe's podcast. That's called Cooking Up a Story with Aaron and Joe with an S. Joe's. Yeah. Because yeah. there's two Joe's in there. Um, we had a good time, and we're here tonight to talk about the World Champion squ Squirrel Cook-Off, um, the event itself, how you came up with the idea, the inspiration behind it, as well as your background. Yeah. But before we go there, I want to just start with, we always start with the background. Tell me a little bit about uh, early years of being Joe Wilson growing up. How did you, how did you come to fall in love with the outdoors? Yeah, so uh, it's always been there. Um, I grew up as a rural kid, uh, always had a dog. Me and my dogs would always walk long distances with either BB gun, pellet rifle, and as age grows, so does the caliber. Okay. And so we migrate from that into the 22 and the shotgun. And, you know, I'm 50 years old and, and, uh, we didn't have the iPhone. So in order to experience something, we didn't experience it in the palm of our hand. We had to experience it with our feet and our eyes and our ears and, and our nose. 
And so unless I actually got to touch it, it was almost like it wasn't real. Mm. And so going out and chasing rabbit and harvesting rabbit and figuring out how a rabbit worked, shooting birds, quails and doves and and all of those things. So the outdoors was a way that my dad was, was inspirational in taking me into the outdoors. And where did you grow up? Well, so it's a mixed bag, man. Um, I know through my voice and everything, my heritage, my grandfather is from Fayetteville. Okay. Um, he got run off. <laughs> he got from, run from off Fayetteville he, or he, towards Fayetteville? He got run off out of Fayetteville. Out of Fayetteville. Oh, man. Um, There's a story there for sure. Yeah, and I don't, I, I'm really not capable of describing the story. All I was told is he's run off. So I come from <laughs> like a, an arky, oaky background. And so just like most of the, the Arkies and Okies, there was this little deal that happened, and it was called the Dust Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it drove people from Arkansas and Kansas and Oklahoma and parts of Texas to this place that's currently kind of a hellhole, and they call that the Golden State of California. <laughs> so my family was migrant workers, and they had to go out there because there was no work here. So the first opportunity I had as an adult, which was, I think, at 21 years old, I loaded up and I come back to the Ozarks. And uh, when I got back, there was no one here for me. There was, I didn't have any family left here. I had a lot of family in Oklahoma, northeast Oklahoma. And you were kind of starting from scratch when you came I back. I started from scratch. So I had to build my squirrel empire <laughs> <laughs> all by myself. And uh, I didn't have any family. Uh, I had to build my friends. I left. I left a lot of friends behind. And uh, but when I went to my class reunion, I think it was the twenty year. I got most unchanged. So <laughs> most unchanged. <laughs> I didn't take my hat off. That's your superlative. <laughs> if I if I would have took my hat off, I'd have got baldest too. But. Uh, <laughs> I've never really changed, man. And you guys will find out as you get older, your brain stays at a youthful age. Now, you may not be able to stay up as long when you jump. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You may not. That gravity pulls on you a little harder. Yeah. <laughs> you can still jump. You just can't stay up that long. <laughs> yeah. uh, the things that you thought about when you were 14 and 15 years old, Believe me when I tell you, at 50, at 60, you're still going to think about those same things. And you're just smarter. Mm. You've been stung and hurt and burned. Mm-hmm. And so you learn sometimes you don't do those things. And so your passion for the outdoors, if you learn it young, you hold on to it mm. forever. And so that that's basically my background now what am i currently well first and foremost i'm a father secondly i'm a husband third i'm a community-minded individual Mm. and so what does that mean well it means to me that that uh and we discussed this on on our show but anybody could sleep anywhere they want to sleep they can reside anywhere they want to reside but until you actually make an impact on an area, 
you can't say that you you live there. You just sleep in there. And so, you know, the, the squirrel cook-off is, is one of those things. Another thing is, is uh, about seven years ago in Dallas, Texas, a bad guy showed up one night, and he killed five police officers, and he wounded a total of nine. And I watched that live on TV. And whenever I watched it live on TV, it was the first time I'd ever seen this is all-out massacre of people. And my wife, she says, I bet you're going to try to do something about this. And so one of my passions since, uh, since I was at least 12 years old has been cooking. And my cooking has always been on fire, live fire, open fire. Over wood, charcoal, over wood, anything? If it burns, I'll cook on it. All right. And uh, so I went down to the Bentonville police station, and I asked to talk to the chief, and the chief asked me what I needed, and I said I was going to do a protest. And I said I'm not real good at holding signs, and I don't lay in the road, (laughs) but I can cook a steak. All right. (laughs) It's my kind of protest. And I said I'd like to cook everybody that you got on your staff a steak dinner to show them that the the community supports them. And uh, if they're willing to stay and protect and serve our community, I'm willing to feed them, show them love and support. So that Friday, we cooked 130 ribeye steaks, and I was able to get some buddies of mine to volunteer. So we, we did it that Friday, and then the next Friday... We cooked 300 steaks in another town. And the Friday after that, we cooked 200 steaks. And currently, we've cooked over 40,000 ribeye steak dinners. No way. For police, firefighters, and first responders in, I don't know, 20 states probably. And uh, so the name of our organization is Steaks for Sheepdogs. And, you know, for your Fayetteville guys, listeners... You know, you remember when Officer Carr was killed, mm-hmm. right? Mm. And he was gunned down in the police car at the police station, shot nine times in the side of the head, not doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that happened on a Saturday just prior to Christmas. And the next Saturday, we cooked a 1,000 steak dinners in Fayetteville for the police officers, the families, everybody involved in that situation. And and you might ask, what, what's the protest? What am I trying to do? But it's not all for them. Uh, one of the things is, is I'm trying to learn how to forgive. And I've always been an eye for an eye type of guy, right? And to sit in a room with the mothers and the fathers who lost their son or daughter a week, a month, whatever time it was, Almost every time, they have forgiven the bad guy. Mm. Wow. And I don't know how that happens, but the more I put myself around the situation, I become able to grow and to see a different side of things than an eye for an eye. Because the old saying is, an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to steer through that. So I do that through community. Um, community is a big part of my life. Anytime that someone asks me to do something that involves 
helping the kids, helping the elderly, helping anybody, he could pretty much count on me. Yeah. And uh, I think that's that's the needed part. You can vote all you want to vote, but it's your duty to go out and make the actual change. And uh, so that's my my political standpoint yeah is if i want it changed i ain't going to count on anybody other than myself and whoever wants to walk in the door with me Mm -hmm. you guys are those kind of people um there there's leaders and there's followers there's people that will open a door and a thousand people will walk in that door with them um it just takes someone with the courage to open the door and at that point you put it on cruise control and watch the magic happen and so that's kind of on the, on the same terms of how we got started with the squirrel cook-off. Yeah. So talk to me. One, I just want to say I, th- I think that's an awesome mindset standpoint. I think, um, you know, that's something that I, a lot of people would resonate with in, in terms of, um, you know, you can vote and you can, you can look for politicians to do everything, but there's really no uh, replacement for going out and doing it yourself and getting involved in the community. Um, and I think that's a, that's a huge part of it. And and community involvement is, is part of the reason why I think the the squirrel cook off is such a cool idea. It's such a fun event too. That's just like, you know, it's something that's so unique and so different. That was why we wanted to have you on the podcast was to talk about how you got inspired to, to come up with that. Where did that come from? I mean, was that something that as a young boy, you grew up squirrel hunting all the time and you're just like, this is so much fun. I want to share this with, with people. Or, or where did that inspiration come from? Man, that's all good stuff. But you ready? You oh. come from a bald face lie. <laughs> okay. What is that? Let's hear it. <laughs> Man, I wish I could, I could uh, give you some real cool story. But the truth is, is I told a lie. And I'm not condoning that, <laughs> but occasionally it works. Sometimes it's, <laughs> it's effective. And so um, how to get started? Well, I was downtown Bentonville working on the Walton Five and Dime. I had project to, to remodel it and turn the old museum into a new museum. You're a construction guy, right? Yeah. And so um, I spent a lot of time walking around, meeting everybody downtown. It's kind of... It's kind of one of those deals I want all the business owners around there to understand I'm a decent human, so I would talk to everybody. keeps me out of a bind. And uh, so the downtown community knew me, and they had received a phone call from the Travel Channel. And the Travel Channel said that they wanted to do an Ozark edition of Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern. And so the city knew they had a golden goose who was a redneck right across the street building this museum. (laughs) So they contacted me and they said, hey, we need you to call these people. They want to do something. So I made the phone call and uh, the lady on the phone went through a list of opportunities, what they wanted to film. One of them was a bear hunt. We got Clay Newcomb. What what year was this? Just curious. Uh, Probably... 13, 14 years ago, okay. something like that. Yeah. Somewhere in there. And um, Wait, the, of, the bear hunt ties to food? Everything. Every it was all going to tie to food. Everything okay. was going to be. Makes sense. You go, go on a bear hunt, get a bear, yeah. cook it up. Yeah. Yep. Got it. And Clay Newcomb wasn't nothing, okay, at this time. This is Bear Hunt Magazine. He, he had just gotten into Bear Hunt Magazine. Okay. 
He wasn't very sociable. Um, there wasn't there wasn't meat eater, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Clay's gonna do bear. Um, I want to do a rabbit hunt. No problem. I know where a lot of rabbits are. Had a good buddy of mine. Had a team of beagles. Thought it'd make good TV. So I set them up with him. They want to go gigging. Frogs? Suckers. Suckers. Oh, carp? No. Suckers? Suckers. Oh, just suckers. Suckers, not carp. Just suckers. And they want us to cook and clean and make suckers. And uh, then they want to do crow hunting. And the reason they want to do crow hunting is, is because in their research on Arkansas, it said Arkansas eats crow. And the reason was, was there was a football coach called Bobby Petrino <laughs> who had just got inside of a motorcycle accident uh-huh. with some blonde-headed chick. Oh, good old Bobby. <laughs> and so the headlines in some papers said Arkansas eats, eats crow. crow. <laughs> and in all of their brilliance, they thought it was the blackbirds that fly early in the they morning. They took it as late. a literal yeah. Arkansas people <laughs> so eat they crow. Say, <laughs> so they said, what we do. That's great. They said, do you cook crow and I says well I have but I said let me get this to you straight in the Ozarks we don't eat a lot of crow poultry is 43 cents a pound (laughs) and so it's based right out of here yeah why would you we don't have to eat a lot of crow and they says well have you ever cooked it and I said oh yeah I said I'd been drinking one time (laughs) and cooked some crow and the people that I fed the crow to, they'd been drinking too, and they said it was real good. So <laughs> That if, always helps. If you want some crow, we'll cook it for you. Okay, we want you to do the crow. And they said, what about squirrel? Mm, man, y'all don't even know. I said, we make world champion squirrel. Mm. This is when the lie comes in. <laughs> and uh, they said, how do you know you make world champion squirrel? And I said, because we throw the world champion squirrel cook-off. And they said, when is it? I said, when you coming? <laughs> and they gave me a date, and I said, as luck would have it, it's that same weekend. Oh, my no goodness. Way. And so there was no cook-off. There's a lot of things to know about hunting turkeys in the Ozarks, but there's two things I know for sure. One, it's that turkeys have really good eyesight, so your camo matters. Canis makes an incredible turkey camo. It is comfortable, it is breathable, blends into the background like no other. It is the perfect camouflage for those long sits, back up against a white oak tree, hearing those hens and gobblers hold up 200 yards away as I'm just waiting for them to come in. The second thing you gotta know is you have to be prepared for anything. Whether it's a tom sneaking up behind you or a rainstorm coming at you out of nowhere, Canis has you covered. From the None of Ut rain jacket to the chamois fleece hoodie, the alpine pant with built-in knee pads make sure you have canis on you for this upcoming turkey season use our discount code ozark for 15 percent off website or in store and good luck this turkey season sadly hunting season in the ozarks has come to an end But in these hills and hollers, it's always been the off-season where woodsmen dialed in their equipment to get ready for the next hunt. And there is no better time to dial in your shot grouping with some new gear from Umarex. Our friends over at Umarex produce some of the most accurate air-powered rifles in the world, with everything from 22 caliber guns for squirrels and rabbits, 30 calibers for coyotes, bobcats, and coons, 
all the way up to 50 caliber air rifles that can take down white-tailed deer, feral hogs, and bear. Umarex leads the industry in accuracy and innovation, making some of the best hunting air guns on the market, hands down. Head on over to umarexusa.com and use our discount code OZARKAIR for 12% off your entire order and start getting dialed in for your next hunt. So I scrambled and I got, I believe it was 24 teams from six states organized. And they all had to go out and hunt these squirrels. We had a couple weeks and we filmed the first squirrel cook-off and uh, it was in Bentonville. It was in a warehouse that I was working on as well because there was a, a freak storm come in. We got sleet in August mm. and uh, it was a weird deal. And so we filmed indoors, and at that time, I didn't know a lot about cook-offs, and I knew I had to have some judges. Mm -hmm. So I got the county judge. <laughs> the judge. Just, <laughs> just the judge. judge of the county. I, I got, I got a couple real-deal judges, Yeah, right? I got, like, a used car salesman, <laughs> and I got Matt McClure, who's been nominated for James Beard Awards, and Matt was a buddy of mine, and and so we judged Squirrel, and we filmed this show, and and this show aired in like 120 countries. No way. Yeah. The first year. Well, I mean, it was Just on that one Bizarre year. Foods was a big deal at that time, yeah. and and so that show aired in 120 countries, and it took a few months. Matter of fact, we had the the premiere of it at the 21C. Okay. Which I brought. Which was before 21C was really a thing. I mean, it was the nicest hotel probably in the state. Okay. And, I mean, it had just it had just opened. It was okay. a new deal. Yeah. And um, so we had the premiere there, and I started getting emails for people wanting T-shirts. And so me, not being a T-shirt guy, I said, hell yeah, I'll sell T-shirts. They're 20 bucks a piece. And I, I was sending them to Australia. <laughs> I was sending them all over the world, and it costs more in shipping oh, yeah. to send this shirt. Yeah. And I found out the majority of my fans, they all liked 4X T-shirts for some reason. And I think people were sitting up late watching Andrew Zimmern eating Cheetos, <laughs> thinking, man, some I sure wish I had girls. a squirrel cook-off shirt. <laughs> and so there was huge success. and and Literally huge. The, yeah. The, the next year, <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be a part two of this thing. And uh, everybody started asking, when, when's the next squirrel cook-off? So I threw out a date, and we've always now been in September. So I posted a date, and I got 40 teams signed up, and I had the Wall Street Journal call and ask if they could come be a part of the World Champion Squirrel Cook-Off. And I said, man, I don't care. It's free. It's open to the public. You can come if you want to. So I thought that was a cool deal, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. So I called the mayor's office, and I said, hey, man, I got the Wall Street Journal coming. I need to talk to the mayor. So the mayor gets on the phone, and he says, I've heard about this. And he said, you may think that's impressive, but he said the Wall Street Journal is an East Coast bias paper, and all they want to do is run us through the mud here. <laughs> and he said, you probably don't need them here. And I said, Mr. Mayor, I said, who are you ashamed of? Is it just me? Because I can handle it. But I said, if you're ashamed of the school teacher, the firefighter, 
the local associate who's going to cook this squirrel. You need to rethink things. I said, because as far as I know, the last time Bentonville was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, there was a man named Sam Walton received a Medal of Freedom from a guy named George Bush who had a son named George Bush. And I said, if it takes a redneck and squirrels to get us on the front page, somebody ain't doing their job, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> so he says, you go right ahead and do what you want. I said, I appreciate it. So we had a great event, and, and I'll let you guys know, because sooner or later you're going to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, and you're going to get a phone call from someone to congratulate you, and they're going to tell you they're going to send you a plaque with that Wall Street Journal on there. They're going to want to know what kind of wood you want. <laughs> No okay. way. <laughs> yeah, and you tell them whatever you like, and they're going to want to know how you want it striped around the edges, gold, silver, whatever. You tell them that. A couple weeks later, this is going to show up, and it's going to look good in your house. Yeah. About 90 days later, you're going to receive a bill. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> for about for, $500. For the plaque. For oh, the plaque man. that they sent you. <laughs> they did you dirty, man. So we received uh, every year, man, we've done everything from CBS Sunday morning. I was the first guy to go actually be in a hunting scene on CBS Sunday morning. And I know Steve Ranella was just on there a couple months back. Um. And he got called whatever it was, the Martha Stewart or whatever it was. Of, of we got to send this to Steve. Of the outdoors. Of, of the hunting world. Yeah, let me yeah. know we're talking about him. And uh, <laughs> so we went down on Spavinaw Creek to film CBS Sunday morning. And, man, they had some cameras. I mean, high-end, top-notch deal. And if you're not familiar with it, at the end of CBS Sunday morning, there's always a majestic wildlife scene. Okay. That's got some great filming. Lighting's perfect. Maybe a moose is blowing steam out of its nostrils, yeah. standing in this old bog, right? Yeah, that idyllic look. Yeah, or there's a wild. crane just kind of high-stepping through that shallow water. This one was me shooting at a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Arkansas. <laughs> and uh, you guys know that anytime you're part of the outdoors and you're going to take wildlife you're going to have haters and and that's fine they got every right to hate you because of what your passion is mm-hmm. um and you got to deal with it and you could get aggressive yeah you could challenge them and try to fight them over the deal or you could just kind of outwit them right mm-hmm. and so i was sitting there on the creek with a, a producer that was from Manhattan, and I'm not talking Kansas, okay? You're talking the big <laughs> apple up there. And he had those little tight pants on. He was trying to look kind of Ozarky. He had a flannel and stuff. Oh, man. And he didn't appreciate what we were doing. Now, the host for the show was a cool cat from Seattle, and he's still on CBS Sunday morning. He got to eat squirrel sushi that year. but Squirrel sushi? <laughs> yeah, so they're oh, sitting man. there interviewing me, and... The dude from New York's handing the guy from Seattle a card, and he'd read what was on there. And we're sitting close, a lot closer than we're sitting right now. And first question is, is he said, why do you kill animals? Why don't you just go to the store and buy meat? Hmm. And I said, man, I, I'm probably not the right guy. I said, I'm not smart enough to understand the question because I kind of feel those animals at the store 
lived and breathed and enjoyed some life. And I said, but the ones that I get are 100% organic. They're all natural. They come in a biodegradable package called fur. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I said, there's no hormones. There's nothing. They're safe to eat. And I said, we hunt when animals are at their prime. And so if an animal is healthy enough to breed, it's obviously healthy enough for me to eat. And I can't say that for every chicken driving down the road. Mm, Yeah. Mm. And uh, he said, so let me get this straight. You don't even eat fast food? I said, man, an antelope will do 43. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Whitetail's at least clocking into 30-something. Whitetail's are pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah, so everything, everything he threw at me. I had a rebuttal. Yeah. And so we're going into it. He's getting kind of irritated. That's about a great response. 75 yards down the creek comes this little old gray squirrel to take a drink of that cool spring spavinol water. And he says, you think you could shoot that squirrel at that distance? And I said, man, in the face. And so I line up on this tree, and I've got a camera in front of me and a camera on the side of me and a camera behind me and those umbrellas and all these lights. I ain't nervous. I've shot plenty of squirrels. So I aim at this squirrel, and I'm going to hit it to where it's good to eat, right? So that's in the face. And I pull the trigger, and that bullet flies down there, I don't know, 1,280 feet per second or something it was traveling. And it just clips this squirrel a little bit, and the squirrel goes, (laughs) And it turns, and like a three-toed sloth, it's grabbing at stones on the creek and jumps in the bushes. And so the guy says, what are you feeling? What's your emotions? I said, I'm upset. (laughs) He said, because you wounded that poor animal? Wounded? Hell, I missed it clean, man. Yeah. He says, and what was that noise? I said, y'all don't know nothing. I said, that's the sound squirrels make when they see me come in the woods. I said, I'm upset because I don't get to cook it up and feed you. (laughs) From that point on, I was nervous wrecked that they were going to come burn down my house. (laughs) Right? I just knew when this show aired. As a matter of fact, as we hunted throughout the rest of the day, I would see trees shaking, and I'd see that squirrel in there, and I'd just pass. And a coyote come down the hill and got on this little trail we were on, and it turned and looked at me like, come on, shoot at me. Yeah. I said, isn't that a beautiful coyote? (laughs) (laughs) Those are so pretty. I never shoot those. I just didn't want to get in a bind. And so as the the squirrel cook-off has progressed, we've gained some some fame on it and you're right because of it's an odd deal yeah it's unique to to many but i would have never dreamed the people that have come to the event the people that have cooked in the event it's a multicultural event i've had every ethnic group cook squirrel or eat it man we've learned a lot and so it moved from this lie into this deal to where I was putting salt in a wound. And the salt that I was putting in the wound was, is everywhere around me, our culture was changing. We went from being Arkansas, home of the world's largest retailer, and a big poultry joint, and a trucking agency, to art and culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's bad, because I've got to eat stuff that I would have never got to eat. Right. But it was happening fast, and everybody who was coming in, they were looking for a fella like me, and there ain't a lot of us, you know? 
they come here to find barefoot hillbilly. And what they found was, was wealth and prosperity and happy people. And they found out that the culture of country people, rural people, hunters, fishermen, was acceptable. And I like to say I had a small piece of helping them with that. Yeah. Because every September we get teams from all across the country. We've had people from the Netherlands. We've had judges from Italy. We've had teams from Canada show up and take this piece of meat that's small and feed big groups of people. Man, that's cool. And so, you know, we've we've learned a lot. And to, and to watch the people walk in and they got their nose up in there and the last thing they're going to do is eat a piece of tree wrap, mm-hmm. right? And by the end of it, they're standing in lines like they're at Disneyland <laughs> waiting to eat a dang piece of squirrel. And that's because the teams that we have are fantastic. Yeah. They're creating dishes that no one's ever created before. And so traditionally, y'all know, a traditional dish would be like squirrel and dumplings. Right. Squirrel and gravy. If you're north of Joplin, you put a can of cream of mushroom soup in a crock pot with some dead animal. Um, They don't have taste buds up that way. But (laughs) um, (laughs) that's just kind of how it works. And so we brought in squirrel ice cream. We brought in the Italian dishes. We brought in the Asian dishes. We brought in all of these things, squirrel pizza, um, a lot of Mexican food made out of squirrel. Because squirrel is kind of the tofu of the woods. It's It's a protein that you add flavor to. Yeah. And, you know, the greasy deal, and you could call it greasy if you want to, that's kind of like some old flavor mm-hmm. <laughs> that's on top it's of it. It's just a medium. It's a medium to pass on that flavor and put some protein Which in Which most, most wild game is that way. Yeah, and, sure. And, you know, I have a huge passion for eating wild game. And I wish more people would accept things that others call trash is valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, a lobster used to be fed to the to the slaves and to the prisoners. Really? So did oysters. So did oysters. Yep. Right? Shoot. These were Those are foods. Expensive now. Mm-hmm. These were foods that were fed to the hogs, and they weren't desirable. What it took was someone to put some flavor on there, and then everybody wanted it. So with game meat, that's critical. Mm-hmm. The first thing on any game meat, anything you harvest, whether it be a fish, a wild hog, a deer, whatever it is. Raccoon? Yeah. You ever eat a raccoon? Oh, man, and I tell you what, you ain't lived till you ate that porcupine. But. No way. The the first thing is killing it. And that means as quickly as possible. Yeah. Anytime anything suffers, you know, there's been wives' tale that a buck deer doesn't taste as good as a doe deer. If you drop that buck dead, he didn't even know he died. Mm-hmm. And the meat's going to taste great. If you shoot that year-old doe that you would think would be just tender and tasty, mm-hmm. and you shoot her about that seventh rib back there, yeah, she <laughs> right, runs off right 600 yards. <laughs> and you get that thing, it's going to taste rank, right? And so as long as you put your bullet or your arrow or your whatever it is 
in the right spot and you lay it down and you immediately jump into saying, I have just killed one of the most expensive pieces of protein that I could put on my dinner table and feed my friends. By the time we kill a deer, we've spent a pile of money. Oh, okay? yeah. For a little bit of meat. Okay? This ain't like you just killed an Angus. No. No, no, no. And so treasure it. Treat it like it's worth something. And, hell, I don't even use a plastic fork or a paper plate, man. I'm going to serve it on China. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That's the good stuff. Yeah. So we got to process it. We got to ice it down. We got to get past this whole deal that a deer has stew meat, jerky, a ham, and a backstrap. Okay? It's got the same cuts as a, as a lamb. It's got the same cuts as beef. And you can cut up these wild game into pieces that are easier to cook because it's not a big, thick, giant piece of meat with some glands in it, right? Mm -hmm. So spend a little bit of time. If you're going to spend the time to learn how to trick this animal into range, spend a little time on figuring out how to cook it and process it. Yeah. Treat it right. So back to squirrels. We've... uh. We've been really blessed, man. And how, how have y'all grown over the years? I mean, you started, say, 13, 14 years ago. How has the progression been from year one to, to today? I know, you know, throw COVID in there. We didn't do it for a couple of years. Yeah, so I think we kind of, we had it at the 8th Street Market, um, which is kind of a culinary center. We estimated that we had between eight and 10,000 people. This was when? Uh, five years ago. Before COVID. Yeah. And... Um, then we moved out to the quail barn. We did it out at the quail barn, which was more space, um, which led to other opportunities. So we put some side shows in there. We do the world's hottest squirrel wing eating competition. That's right. You're telling me about that. <laughs> uh, we also do the squirrel cleaning competition. And we show people from start to finish on how this squirrel deal works. Um, we've gotten a lot lot more creative. Now, that's not to say that if someone was entering and they make the best fried squirrel and gravy that they can't win, you can blow the socks off of some Michelin chef because uh, you're judged on your own merit. So that means that a meatloaf turned in made out of squirrel is based off of what meatloaf is supposed to taste like. Mm. And so when my judges are judging it, they say, man, I know what good meatloaf tastes like, and this ain't it. Mm -hmm. Or an uh, egg roll. I've had an egg roll, but that squirrel egg roll is the best egg roll I've ever ate. <laughs> so you're not going against the competition. You're going against yourself. Yeah. And, hey, the event's tough on the judges because each team turns in an entree and a side dish for, for six judges. And so those judges have to sit there and eat it. How many teams you got this year? I mean, I think we're going to be real close to the 40, which, okay. which the 40 is our maximum um, because anything over 40 is brutal to the judges. That's a lot of meat. It's a, it's a lot of food, it and it's odd of food. food, and it's, it's yeah, I mean. It's different styles and genres. And it'd be like. An eating, egg roll doesn't go with gravy, maybe. It'd be like going to Golden Corral and putting every single thing on your plate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it would be. And it doesn't matter how good that corn is. You don't want it <laughs> yeah. after you've eaten. I mean, when you got jello in laid. your salad dressing, yeah. you know, like <laughs> Golden Corral, but. Um, ooh. It's tough, and so 
I'm a big guy who thinks that I'd like to give the crowd, everybody, what they want. But I'm looking out for the teams, and I'm looking out for the judges. These teams have went out in the woods and fought chiggers and ticks. Um, there's a misconception that I got squirrels in my backyard. I'll wait till the week before, and I'll get 40 squirrels. Mm-hmm. You shoot at a squirrel, they leave, right? Yeah. It's not as easy as people think. Mm-hmm. So, well, and it's always when it's when it comes time to squirrel hunt, it's always when you see a bunch of deer, and when oh, you're yeah. deer hunting, it's always when you see a bunch of squirrels. So when you're after the squirrel, it's a, it's always a lot harder than it normally is when you just see them in your neighborhood. Yeah, and and you know, small game's been on a massive decline in our state, along with everything else. But kids currently don't step up from squirrel to deer; they jump right into deer. Because they can. Mm-hmm. And years ago, we couldn't. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's the old aim small, miss small. Start out on small game, figure it out, then move up to something bigger. If you're a, a, a young male or female and you go out there and, and you shoot a 160-class whitetail when you're 14 years old, that's like your first girlfriend being a supermodel. <laughs> okay? That your bar is ruined. super high. <laughs> yeah. You'll be disappointed the rest of your life. You're going to be, yeah. And I mean, so to me, I I think life is a stepping stone full of struggles. And if you don't have those struggles and you're not stepping, I don't know how you're going to be happy Mm because you're going to think everything's just given to you. And it's not. And uh, so squirrel's a big part of it. And, and, you know, Arkansas Game and Fish, a lot of state agencies, uh, Game and Fish agencies, they – they they put some effort into it. I mean, if you think about it, here in Arkansas, we could shoot squirrels all but two months out of the year. Yeah, right. It's a long season. We've got a big bag limit, one of the biggest in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got opportunities all over the place. More than likely, if you went to a landowner and asked if you could go shoot the squirrels, they're going to say, "Sure, go shoot them. Yeah, just leave my deer alone." Right. So there's those opportunities to do it. It's cheap. But one of the reasons why small game suffers is it's not marketable. I can't sell you any special stuff that's going to make you shoot more squirrels. Right. They, they, it's not there. I haven't thought about that before. Yeah, so you don't have shelves with squirrel gear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the squirrels hang out with the joggers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're in town. <laughs> they run across the road and try to hit your car. They're eating your wires. They're around you all the time. So scent really isn't a big deal. Um, squirrel calls, mm, I don't know. You know, there's some cool ones out there, and sometimes we like to scratch on things, yeah. whistle on deals to make us feel like we're something. Yeah, it's kind. Of, they're a little suspect. It's like I'll go out there and I'll I'll chirp on it a little bit, but does it? What if I just sat here and was still you probably quiet? shoot the <laughs> same amount of <laughs> If you pretended like you are deer hunting, you'd be shooting squirrels. Exactly. That's when you yeah. see them. It's so when you're in there still. still. So from a marketing side, there's not a lot you can do with it. So therefore, if corporate entities don't see a value in it, they're not going to publicize it, right? And and right now with the, the movement into air rifles, they're a lot different than that Crossman and Benjamin and stuff that we used to use as kids. Yeah. These things are high-powered, knockdown. I mean, hell, a water buffalo, right? I mean, they've got air rifles that are 
dropping water buffaloes. Yeah, shout out to Umarex. Yeah, our our newest sponsor of the podcast. We've got Umarex going to be at at the event as well. All right, they they make a good gun. Yeah, and so I'm I'm a huge fan in that. Um, now airing up those deals is one thing, but <laughs> the big ones anyway. Yeah, the, the squirrel ones. guns, you know, break barrel. I mean, they make a 50 caliber air rifle. Yeah, that's crazy. I got Umarex, and I also have a, a company that's been here locally for a long time, which is Daisy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Absolutely. and Daisy's going to come in, and they're going to do a youth um, target shooting deal at the Game and Fish building that we're throwing the event at. So we're going to try to bring the kids in to do that. But air rifles or everything you need. Mm-hmm. Um, if If you're just a meat hunter and you want to shoot them with shotguns, feel free. Enjoy that chip tooth, right? With that lead, <laughs> yeah. With that lead flavor, crunchy. It, you know, there's a a friend of mine moved up north, and he went to the doctor, was having some stomach pains, and they did an X-ray, and the guy come out the doctor, and he says, "You're from the south, aren't you?" And he says, "Yeah, how'd you know?" He says, "Cause you got BBs inside of your stomach." Oh. <laughs> and it was from eating all the ducks and the squirrels, and that lead just kind of stayed in there. And he said it was real common for southern men to carry that around. I think that if I was to lose some of that, I'd probably get back down to my fighting weight. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that lead's heavy. Uh, boys, how, how'd you drop those pounds? Well, I, I quit eating my ducks <laughs> Yeah, or my squirrels. I'm going to tell you, it's it's one of these things where it's, it's simple as being motivated and showing people what you're passionate about. And I know you guys are those type of people. And what you're doing with your show is is what I'm doing with Squirrel Cook-Off. I want to put it out to as many people as possible. I understand that not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to like me. But we're going to more, more than likely hit the majority. And if I can steer someone in a direction to where they're going to try something for the first time, and understand why you, me, and the listeners are out there doing it. Hey, that's advantage us. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, it's it's a simple process, but let's talk about some of the dishes. Yeah, well, I, I want to go there. It, it's something that's fun. It's it's something that's relatable. People, I think at the end of the day, people, you know, they've got values. But sometimes you just want a community event where you're going to have oh, fun. Yeah. You're going to go out and just do something. So it's got to be free. Mm-hmm. It, so it's got to be free, but yeah, I, I would love to hear like what are some of the different dishes that you've seen in the past? There's you mentioned squirrel sushi. I've never even thought that that was a possibility. Yeah, so it was. What are some co- of the wildest things you've seen? Well, before we go there, too, Kyle, it's something that it's something that holds on to the Arkansas and Ozark heritage. Mm-hmm. And right. you're talking about how yes, Northwest Arkansas now is an art destination, a food destination. Fortune One company yeah. <laughs> destination, all of that kind of stuff, and all that's amazing. And I've grown up here, and I love it. Love all the benefits that it brings and everything. But there is something cool about that world melding with just the honest Ozarkans, the honest world yeah. of just Arkansas. That's yeah, and, it, and it's not as much. It, I don't know, special in my mind. So the squirrel cook-off even is going. We are this, but we're also we all came from this. Yeah, but it doesn't you know, mean we're not this other thing. Totally, we can you, be both. When you get a team that signs up and they're from Boston, or you get a New York City team, right? Mm-hmm. I never liked people from Massachusetts. You know why? Because I didn't know any of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. 
And so when a couple guys showed up from just outside of Boston to cook squirrel, uh, Billy and Brian, man, I had a lot in common with them. And I enjoyed listening to their goofy accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, man, they showed up six years ago, and these guys are my brothers now, mm. right? We we talk on the phone. We send gifts to each other's kids. We do brother checkups, right? Mm. You know, those random messages that you get. How you doing? You know, I was thinking about you. Right. Mm-hmm. We need more of that amongst not just men, but everybody. I mean, every now and again, if you ain't talked to somebody in six months or a year and they come in your head, send them a message. Don't take very long. Mm-mm. Say, man, I was just thinking about you. You doing all right? That's the kind of medicine that heals us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've met those folks. Um, I've had some haters. Uh, I, I had a lady that sent me an email the morning of the squirrel cook-off. This is <laughs> six, seven years ago. And she started to tell me how bad it was going to hurt me and how my family surely wasn't proud of me. Is this a local lady or is it far? Yeah, yeah. No way, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, kind of. Okay. She just recently got here because uh, okay. I know how to research stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> and... uh I was going to tell the name, but I'll save her a little bit because I already heard her. Um, she said, how many squirrels must die in order for you to have this event? And I replied. <laughs> this exact amount. <laughs> Dear Mrs. All the squirrels must die in order for us to throw this event. Technically, if we're doing it, they're all dead. <laughs> even better. We have never used live squirrels, <laughs> nor live elephants, rhinos, or spotted owls. That's, That's awesome. I said, Mrs. Blank, you obviously own a few cats. <laughs> How many songbirds, lizards, and small animals must die in order for you to have your cat. And I Googled up some information and found that number of songbirds, and you know, it's like it's high. a couple billion. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. House gosh. cats are like the worst <laughs> yeah. for songbirds. And so I fed her back a little bit of medicine. Yeah. And I decided that I'd go ahead and copy and paste her deal and mine, and I'd put it out there on social media. And about after <laughs> 80,000 people seen it, she didn't have any more response. Oh, man. And she's been kind of peaceful thereafter. That's pretty good. Um, but you, you'd be amazed. I mean, you guys want it, <laughs> and most of the listeners want it. But the people, through their ignorance of how savage we are to still go out and use our human abilities to try to feed us and our families. Um, huge fan of that. I'm a huge fan of humans being humans. Mm-hmm. And a human's a, a savage by nature. We're mean. We do things real aggressive. Like, we don't just kill one person. We kill a whole country, right? And, and back in the time of market hunting, we did the same thing. We didn't kill one buffalo. We killed all the buffalo. Mm -hmm. As we could. We didn't kill one pigeon. We took something that the abundance of the pigeon was like the largest mass of a single species in North America. One of the largest masses in the world. Wow. 
and we wiped them out in like 20 years to where there wasn't one. So we've learned. Mm-hmm. There's been great role models, right? Mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt, right? Mm-hmm. And the start of conservation. I currently don't think that I can hurt the squirrel population by cooking them in September. Probably not. Matter of fact, I think that we need to work on the population throughout the year and don't just eat squirrel one Saturday in September. We need to put it on the menu at the house maybe once a month. Yeah. Mm. The same thing goes with some fish, some other wild game. And if we did that and we started appreciating and learning from each other, the value of the outdoors, we're always going to have the outdoors. Yeah. And uh, I get calls all the time, hey, do you got any squirrel? I could buy from you. No, that's illegal. Yeah, (laughs) it's a wild game. Now, in Europe, you can buy squirrel at the market. Really? They're an invasive species. They brought them over there because they were cute and fuzzy. And uh, now they got too many of them, and they've chased off a lot of native species. But here, if you want to cook in the squirrel cook-off, your duty is to go out and go grocery shopping underneath like a hickory tree or Mm -hmm. something. I was going to ask, so how does it work? You talk about, you you said somebody brought 40 squirrels. How many many squirrels does a team have to bring in order to cook what they have to cook? And then how do they go about getting them? What's the process like? That and recipes, because I totally derailed you there, Kyle. Well, you're, you're feeding six judges, but the truth is, is if, if your listeners show up in September, they're going to want to try some squirrels. Yeah, absolutely. And so we can't go to Harps and buy squirrel like Stock you can up on squirrel eggs. Buy brisket and pork butts. Right. And so, man, it's going to take you probably eight squirrels to feed the judges. Um, that's depending on your recipe. But by the time you whittle them down, it's going to take you probably eight. It's probably going to take a team somewhere between 25 to 40 squirrels to feed a big population. And they're collecting these over time. They're putting them in the freezer. Is that typically how it goes? Man, you know, a lot of these guys, these teams, they'll gather up and they'll do their own little squirrel derby. Yeah. And they'll have some folks on the perimeter, maybe shooting a 17 or something, right, for a long-distance shot. They'll have some guys in the woods with the shotguns, and then they'll have a couple 22 guys pushing them around, and, and they're successful. It wasn't long ago here in Northwest Arkansas, we would, a squirrel derby was something common. Um, like squirrel camp? No, well, squirrel camps have, have always been something, but an actual sporting event to where... Got it. Like a bass tournament, but for squirrel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there, was a, there was an organization called Wings for Our Troops that used squirrel hunting as a way to raise money to uh, fly current military home if they had an emergency. Um, if it's your immediate family, you can probably get by, but say it was your best friend and you were in the military and didn't have any money. Well, Wings for Our Troops was flying people home based off of a squirrel derby. Um, there's been several different little sporting goods shops that have, have put these on. They're fun, you know, and they're based off of weight, right? Mm-hmm. So your five biggest squirrels. And you'd be surprised, just like those fishermen with those walleye, there's people going to cheat on squirrels. Oh, yeah, yeah. And shoving lead in. <laughs> wetting them. In the guts, wetting them up. Oh, man. Wetting them down, trying to get them heavier. So I don't know if that's ever going to come back. Um, it doesn't take a lot of work. It's a fun thing. It's a good way to get people involved in the outdoors. So th- there's methods like that. But, yeah, 40 squirrels would 
would be a, a great number. Eight squirrels is probably what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bear So teams are showing up early and hunting around here. Uh, yeah, they're hunting then, right now. Okay. Yeah, there, there's squirrels and, in the freezer six months ago that are for this event. Okay. And, and they're hunting, but you said you got guys from Boston. Are they hunting up in Boston, yeah. where, wherever they're from, whatever the local squirrel is, red, yeah. gray, yeah. Yeah, and, and Fox. the majority of the country, squirrel season doesn't even start till maybe October. Okay. Uh, Missouri's different. Arkansas is different. The Ozarks is, is a little different on this deal, but mm-hmm. there's places where a squirrel season's a month. Yeah. Um, there's places like Louisiana, South Louisiana, where folks don't show up to school on squirrel opening day. Uh, it's, it's a free pass, right? Um, you can dig up and find a White House recipe where squirrel was served at the White House. Oh, like the White House. The real deal. Pennsylvania Ave, White yeah, House. Over there. And uh, so squirrel, it, it's it's not an Ozark deal. It's part of the Ozarks. But it's any place that has squirrel. In times of hunger, the deer may not be abundant. The bear might not be abundant. But there was still squirrels. Mm. And so it was a supplement for your protein. And and you could hell they'd come to you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so it's been a part of our American history. Um, the natives ate them. The natives before the natives ate them. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've got I I we talked about this on your podcast. I'm sixth generation Ozarkan. I've got stories and a recipe that's been passed down, a squirrel and dumplings recipe that's been passed down through my family. If I can count back at least four or five at least four generations and i gotta think that they probably learned it from the five and six yeah, generations you bet and and we haven't changed the squirrel we've changed the way that squirrels are being cooked and so it's the same animal and so say you're on a team and you show up well the way this operation works is we start setting up about six in the morning at eight thirty. i have team meetings so all the teams are going to gather around me yeah when, when you wake up on on the day, are you just buzzing with excitement? Like, are you just are you nervous? Are you are you no. ready to go or what? No, I'm not. I'm I'm ready. Yeah. And uh, so we go through and we tell we go through the rules one more time and we go through the timing, and then I send a couple people around to all the teams and we do a meat inspection, and that means that the meat has to be whole, quartered, or halved. It can't be deboned. It has to be presented as a squirrel. Mm, okay. So you don't bring in any of that contraband. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. gotcha. Don't bring no rabbit in here. <laughs> so cheating that tender meat. It also we want to make sure that it's forty degrees or colder, right? And then at nine o'clock, you're able to start cooking. And one of the things with our event is pretty near the whole process has to take place there. Now, if you bought frozen b- vegetables and they're already in a sack, well, if that's what you want to do, good luck with your frozen vegetables. <laughs> but if you want to win, you're going to bring fresh vegetables and you're going to chop them up. And so there is a lot of work. And the, the first turn-in is at 12 o'clock. And so that means the team that drew ticket number one and two out of the bag are the first two teams that turn in. So they turn in at 12 o'clock. So they've got three hours. They got three hours. Team three and four got three hours and five minutes. So on. 
So you may have an extra almost an hour. Mm-hmm. If so you, you get a good pick. If you get the end. Yeah. I can't tell you that's the best. Oh, okay. But. Because your judges are, judges are full? Maybe. Yeah. I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is, is if you drew those last ones, you probably don't want to go frying that squirrel at 930 in the morning. Yeah, right. It's not going to be quality. You're judged on your taste, your texture, the use of the squirrel, uh, and and the visual aspect of your dish. Presentation. Presentation. Because let me tell you, we had a great team come in, and they dressed up as as a, a Scottish guys, you know, and they made a a Guinness, maybe it's Irish, because they dressed up as as uh, they had the kilts and all that business, and they made a Guinness potato with a skinless squirrel brat, and they had a team of bagpipers that led them to the judging room. And I've never been smart enough to know if the bagpiper is playing a happy song or a sad one. You always just want to cry when you hear that. Oh, absolutely. You know, you don't know if they're fighting or dancing. You just think it's a funeral. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so they show up, and that year we had, oh, um, the the big wild game chef, hunter-gatherer, shoot. He's like the top wild game chef. Okay. I'll think about it. And I put these boxes of food down in front of the judges, and he opened it up, and he said, do I have to eat that? (laughs) And at that time, we weren't allowing the teams to put a little card inside to say what they had cooked. So it was kind of a surprise. We'd guess at what it was. Oh, man. He says, what do you think this is? And I said, I believe it's a cat turd on a bed of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man the skinless brought <laughs> and it was after they received last place and i went out there and talked to him i said what in the world was that oh it's a skinless brought on oh. some guinness mashed potatoes i said we thought it was cat dung on some <laughs> rotten potatoes so are they not there listening to the judges no. react so it's all behind closed doors okay and uh you can't that you can't put anything in that's going to show us that it was your team. Gotcha. You want so some it's, anonymity. It's completely blind. Yeah. And it's completely fair. And so this year, we've got uh, we've got um, Brent Reeves. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going to be one of our judges. This country life. Yep. We've got uh, some world champion barbecue guys coming in from Memphis. You're going to be part of our judges. We used to have like Phyllis Spears. Y'all remember Phyllis Spears from Ozar or from Arkansas Outdoors? Mm, I don't know. She's always cooking in a Dutch oven. Phyllis would be there. So we put people in that know competition cooking and know flavor. Um, they're certified judges, maybe KCBS or State Cook Off Association. You're going to be judged fairly. So they're, they're the real deal. It's not just. 100% real. Ken folk down the road come to it's eat not, some squirrel. not the old day county judge. No. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's no. food competition. Yeah, it's 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 the real deal, man. And so I'm I'm willing and able to tell your your listeners if they show up, if they can find a parking spot, I want to make that clear. I don't know if y'all have been to this Springdale Game and Fish yeah. facility. Oh yeah. yeah, we were just there the other day. It's a beautiful facility. Awesome place. And it's going to be a great time for our judges and our teams. The parking is limited. Yeah, I think there's 118 parking spots there. Um, you might have to walk a little bit of a distance. And y'all had before COVID, y'all had eight to ten thousand people. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And so with that being said, carpool. Carpool, yeah. Carpool, fill with up that being a van. Said, carpool. Fill the van. <laughs> yeah. um, show up, but, the, you know, you can park on the side of the road. I'm going to tell you whenever you're in that line, it's going to look like uh, Highway or Interstate 49 at rush hour during the snowstorm. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a bunch of people. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come yeah. in there and see what we're doing. If you think you can skin a squirrel, that's free entry for the squirrel cleaning deal. Um, if, if you think you can eat some hot stuff, I mean like lava, yeah, that's a free deal to enter as well. Um, if I want to skin a squirrel, do I have to bring my own? No. Y'all will have squirrels. And they're not what I would consider uh, premium. These things have... have, (laughs) The squirrels that didn't get cooked. These are squirrels (laughs) that have been whole and frozen for a period of time. Okay. And so I can't guarantee the thawed uh, uh, nature of the squirrel. Ooh. (laughs) And... uh, Makes it tough to skin. We've got a a knife sponsor, Jarrow Knife Company, and they're going to provide the knife and... And I believe that if you came with five fingers, you should leave with five fingers. <laughs> and so we're going to give you a, a cut-proof glove. So this may not be like how you did it at your yard. It's not sticking on a barbed wire fence. But, I mean, the good Lord gave you a mouth and teeth, and if you want to start jerking on that hive with, oh. you, <laughs> with, with, with them teeth, you, you go ahead. And, and throughout the day, we'll have some music playing. Um, Ozark Beer Company mm-hmm. is producing a... One of a kind squirrel beer for the for the event. Oh, cool! And uh, it'll come in a in a celebratory can that will have a squirrel on there. Cool. Yeah, man, um, that's awesome. So that that's a cool thing. Um, if if you're somebody who who wants to enter in either the squirrel cleaning, skinning, or hot comp like hot wings, hot squirrel competition, show up. Just show up. Show up. Because I think I can eat some spicy stuff, Joe. Well, let me tell you the rules on that. So that fancy beer I was just telling you about? Yeah. We're going to put a pile of these lava squirrels right in front of you. Yeah. And there's going to be a ice-cold bucket of beer. <laughs> and the first person to drink beer is the first loser. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and we're going to keep feeding you this lava until hopefully there's one person standing. Now, a few years ago, Lost 40 was our beer sponsor, and uh, I wound up having to give everybody who was there a case of beer and a prize because they wouldn't give up, but we've upgraded the lava. You got hotter hotter lava this year? <laughs> the lava is going to be hot. All right. Count us in. Count me in. I'm going to be there. So I think we still have three or four uh, open spots available if anybody's listening and wants to get a cooking team. We're all about it. You could be a professional chef. You could be a first-timer. You could be a hippie. You could be a redneck. You could be whatever you want to be. Uh, and let me tell you, I also think that everybody has a bad day. And I'm not everybody gets a trophy deal. But 23rd place this year, if you suck and you get 23rd place, you're also going to get a pretty decent prize. And it may outweigh first place. If you get dead last? Oh, 23rd. 23rd. Okay. So that's about, yeah. yeah, that's close to the middle. Okay. But since we're doing it on September 23rd, and since it's uh, 2023, 
23 sounded like a good number. Got to be. So, I, you know, you're going to show up, and maybe you turned in uh, some some squirrel that wasn't as tender as you thought it was going to be, and you wound up nailing 23rd place. We're going to give it to you. And if you listen to my podcast, Joe Martinez is on there, and he's kind of my co-MC for this event. Mm-hmm. And we give away stuff up on the stage. Um, it's kind of like a carnival. Like, we'll call out uh, whoever's missing three teeth on the bottom. <laughs> come up here and get your prize, and 12 people <laughs> will come up, and then we're up there counting teeth. <laughs> and uh, a couple years ago, I said, man, if you're missing a toe on your left foot, come up here and get a prize. And three guys come. No way. First dude takes off his shoe, and sure enough, he's missing a toe there. The next dude was missing a foot, oh, <laughs> and the last guy was amputee just below the knee. <laughs> and missing so, a whole rig, man. <laughs> so, so who wins? <laughs> so amputee got, got the T-shirt that yeah, was valued man. at $8. And uh, so, yeah, we, we try to have a real fun time. It is a family event. Um, there's a little something there for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the – so if you're coming to do the, the skinning contest or the hot contest – free but if you're not what's it cost to get in it's free too oh it is free the whole event's free so anybody can come show up yeah i don't believe in charging people for a good time yeah um that's that's not how we roll up here yeah right that's awesome and it's a free deal that's cool got one more technical question for you yeah the cooking Mm -hmm. are they providing their own grill smoker yep any any heat source okay and so you're providing everything so you're, you're providing your you're little tent. Up. Yeah. You're providing everything that it's going to take for you to do your dish. And with that being said, we'll have some competition guys that will bring out giant big rigs to cook eight squirrels. We'll have somebody with a Coleman stove to cook eight squirrels. So it's whatever you've been practicing with, mm-hmm. whatever you're comfortable with. Um, it's a good time. Yeah. Well, it's uh... – it's been a good time getting to hang out with you doing your podcast. Um, just a, a quick shout out to your podcast. I just had a blast hanging out with y'all. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we went for, like you said, almost three hours. A and, minute. And it's just, it, y- y'all's format is so conversational. It's so relaxed. And so if y'all like our podcast, I'm sure you'll like Joe's. They tell stories. I mean, what are some of the highlights of y'all's podcast that you'd like to share? Man, we try to put faces on people. Um, you know, in our day-to-day lives, you're walking around and you're meeting all kinds of folks. Um, when I say meeting them, they're servicing you. They may be changing your oil or they may be adding on to your house or whatever. Those people got a story, right? There's people in your own community. It might be your neighbor mm-hmm. that you know nothing about. Podcasting is an amazing thing. When you put a microphone in, some, in front of somebody, they'll tell you stuff. Uh, it's 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 a unique opportunity we have these days to where we can own our own radio show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we've interviewed everything from war heroes to uh, Cambodians who cook donuts to uh, pawn shop owners in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, Just across the board. Yeah, they got stories, and we like to hear them. And and we get a little loose, a little sideways. I know when y'all were on our show, we jumped through about 87 rabbit holes. (laughs) But I think the point got made. Yeah. 
And, and it's always fun doing that. And we learn from each other. And I think Martinez offered y'all a fishing trip or something. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah, we're, we're taking them up on it. We're going to show you guys how to catch a fish in the corner of the mouth. There we go. <laughs> Not the top like a, those fly yeah. fishermen. I mean, we used we to, me and Joe to used to, our favorite fly when we first started fly fishing with a spinning reel is we developed a lure called a three-legged grasshopper. And uh, it was kind of like a woolly bugger, but a lot different. It was a worm sinker on a treble hook, and we could put it right below the fish. And with the proper technique, our three-legged grasshopper would catch some fish right in the gut. <laughs> 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 but we've upgraded since then. We've matured a little bit, and uh, our fly fishing has changed. Uh, we float stuff on the top sometimes. There you go. The snagging's kind of out of the way. There you Fancy. Go. So, but hey, I've appreciated it. I'm glad to meet you. I've been listening to your shows, watching the little tidbits on YouTube and Facebook, and we all learn from each other. Absolutely, mm -hmm. man. And and we are pleased and privileged to to have you on ours. Um, I mean, I know I know your show has blown up. You've been on Bear Grease several times. I'm yeah. sure that's helped with just getting some publicity, especially about the squirrel cook offs. So. Let's be honest. Clay Newcomb's show is probably the best podcast for what we believe in. Right? Yeah. It, is a, it is an excellent, and, excellent podcast. And Clay, you may not have ever thought you wanted to know about the Mississippi River. There's been legends that he's discussed on there, like the, the story behind the teddy bear, mm -hmm. right? And those little historic facts that add importance to the outdoors— Clay's the right guy for that whole thing. Absolutely. And uh, and Brent Reeves' new show, I mean, as simple as it is, it's a fantastic show. Mm -hmm. There's 3,500,000 and some podcasts out there. You got a lot of choices. It's hard for Ozark Podcast to find you. Mm -hmm. It's hard for Cooking Up a Story to find you. So what we've done is, is we've both done each other's show. And that gives us the opportunity to, uh, what do they call it? Like whenever a, a country singer and an R&B singer get a collaboration. A collab, yeah. Yeah, we done collabed. Yeah, we did. Right? Done yeah, collab. <laughs> done collab, which I think is important. And if anybody wants to collab with either of us in the future, I'm sure we'd be open to Absolutely, it. man. So Absolutely. That's what I got, boys. Awesome. Well, Joe, we appreciate your time. And, and thanks for letting us come to your studio here um, in Rogers. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Yeah, fourth floor, man. Oh, I rise. Penthouse, baby. Yeah. All right. Thanks, y'all. Yep. To our listeners, if y'all enjoyed this episode, make sure you let us know, share it with a buddy, and leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you on the next one. There you go. This podcast is hosted by Kyle V and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. For guest recommendations, episode ideas, and general questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, we love making this show and being able to offer this podcast to y'all for free. But if you're listening and you want to support the Ozark Podcast to allow us to travel even further and meet more interesting people, head over to our Patreon and sign up to join our most loyal listeners. Let me tell you, these folks are 100% certified Ozarkans. And of course, we can't forget to thank our good buddy, J.D. Clayton, providing the amazing music for today's episode check out his website to see where he's touring next at jdclaytonofficial.com 